Hey folks, Matt here. I wanted to uh, give you a little explanation before we started this week's show. Um, when you downloaded this, you may have noticed that it is a good bit shorter than our normal episodes. There is a good reason for that. Um, I had planned to record an interview after we had recorded this episode and just seamlessly drop it in there. But as the poet Robert Burns once almost wrote, the best laid plans of mice and mats go off to rye. Which is to say, I didn't get to record the interview, the scheduling didn't work out. Not sure why I had to reference an 18th century Scottish poet to make that point, but I feel it reveals something about me as a person, so I'm leaving it in. So, uh, the long and short of it is we only have two questions on this week's show. We do apologize for that. Thanks for bearing with us. We will be back next week with our normal length, normal format. But for now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where every questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. When will things be normal again? Never. Also joining us, a man who is quickly finishing his bite of Oreo churro before I introduce him, Jed Brewer. Comforted by the Oreo churro in the face of ceaseless change. Wow. Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Church, Lee Younger. I'm not kidding. I didn't know there was an Oreo churro. Now everything else is off the table. Yeah. We were talking about this beforehand, um, and I've made this observation before. Uh, when I see, saw the Oreo churro in the grocery store, I honestly can't tell if that's the best or worst thing American civilization has done. But I feel <laughs> either, one yeah. way or the other, all of, all, yes, all of American culture has been building to that. Yeah. We looked wow. at a churro, and we said, I can shove chocolate in that. Yeah. Well... Um, I actually have a nice story. Do you? Is it uh, just a nice story, or is it? Uh... I don't think there's anything uh, dark or nefarious or emergency issue about it. Wow. I think it's just a nice story. Okay. That I would like okay. to share. Um, we have a friend who has been a, a volunteer to support the bridge for many, many years when she was in Chicago, named Bree, who um, in the last couple of years had moved to Austin, Texas, and uh, so Bree sends an email to Glenn's wife that she is in her small group or Bible study or something. Yeah. And talking to a friend about kind of audiobooks and podcasts and stuff. And the friend says, I like say that you gotta listen to say that. So it Bree does and, uh, realizes she knows those idiots. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I didn't know. I'd never heard of this. I did not know this, okay. but I've, I've known these people in real life. I believe Bree has been to your home. Yeah. One of those things. And, uh, so we want to give a big podcast, super fan shout out to miss Erica T from Austin, Texas, who is out there doing the good work yes. of telling people they should listen to this podcast. Yes! Really holding up her end. Let me tell you what right now. That does not seem to be a appropriate tone of voice. Erica T., known to her friends as E.T. Is that confirmed, or are you making that up? <laughs> making that up. Okay. But I think it's going to catch on. Well, now that I've put that out into the world, Erica T., also known as E.T. It's good. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, Erica T. gets it. Right. Absolutely. If you are friends with Erica T., count yourself lucky, number sure, one. Sure, no doubt. Like, thank you, Jesus. I'm friends with Erica T. Okay. That's thing number one. That's thing strong. Number, thing number two is you got to find Erica, and you got to say, Erica, show me your ways. Okay. Wow. 
Okay. You know what I mean? It's like a real Yoda thing going on uh, there. Explain it. Okay. How does it all go down? Sure. How does it all make sense? You know, work right. it out. Because Erica gets it. She no does. About that. That's why they call her E.T. Sure. <laughs> yes. You're, okay. You're really speaking that into being, aren't you? Yeah, I, I really good. am. Well, that's, that's faithful. So that's it. I think that's a lovely story. And um, I can't think of any darker, nefarious uh, no. undertones to it. So in that case, we'll go to our first question here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping biblical numerology, Jed, would jump in and be conspiratorial there. Well, I'm really glad she hoped that because he's here. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it's it it sounds me. like it's an emergency, Jed. It's a Bible code emergency. Oh, no. The kind of emergency they don't want you to know about. <laughs> is, and who is they? <laughs> Texas has been ruled by many nations. Okay, just skipping my question. Right. Hence the phrase, six flags over Texas. Right. Yeah, that's that's not a conspiracy. six <laughs> has deep biblical implications. <laughs> Does it? The number six is the number of man representing incompletion and fallenness man (laughs) apart from god six being one less than seven the biblical number of completion i think jed is making all this up another thing i don't think that's how numerology works i think i mean either six is next to the one that means stuff i think i i think i heard this youtube video at my uh barber the other day (laughs) (laughs) that's a stereotype i didn't even know existed (laughs) me neither I, th- I think that's also offensive to barbers. Here's something your barber doesn't want you to know. The very hairs on your head have been numbered. Therefore, wow. God knows exactly what your haircut should cost per follicle. Now you're saying haircuts are an affront to God, and I'm all the way in. Matt, what God the, has put on someone's head, let no barber put a sun in right. the Old Testament. Certain men consecrated to God's service, known as Nazarites, were forbidden to cut their locks anytime for any reason. So, yes, barbering is an affront to a holy and righteous God. <laughs> this is why you will find the number six repeatedly in all barber shops. Another thing, barbers don't want. Want you to know somebody is listening to this on the way to get their haircut, and they're going to get their bill, and it's going to be like thirty five sixty six, and they're going to lose it. Right. Yeah. Well, are, they're going to be counting how many stripes there are on the barber pole. <laughs> it's going to be a whole thing. Yeah. Are, are you ready for something truly trippy? Hit yeah. me. Almost every day when Hallie's in the office, she has a turkey sandwich for lunch. When she gets her turkey sandwich and she adds a soft drink to it with the new Cook County sweetened beverage tax, the total comes to six dollars and 66 cents. Whoa. I'm not making this up. <laughs> it's the lunch of the beast. It's the, the lunch, lunch of the beast. Of the beast. <laughs> they know what Big Turkey doesn't want you to know that. I'm literally checking our bank account statement and seeing multiple charges <laughs> for 600, 3 score and 6. <laughs> okay. The score really made it. Here, here's, here's where what I'm saying is, 
we get a nice email from a friend of ours who says the the podcast is really growing in popularity. Sure. Ran into a friend down here in Austin. We can't have that. That loves it. And next thing you know, it's the sandwich of the devil. So, you know, it feels like we need to tighten things up, fellas. 600, (laughs) three score, and six. And yeah. here's the great thing. We I want to be clear with this bit. The thing about numerology is you always go, okay, so therefore what? And yeah. there never is a therefore right. what. Right. That's the beautiful thing. So here, here's what I'm about to do to you. Emergency off. The whole point <laughs> well, was nothing to spooky. There is, there is no point. There, wow. Emergency off. Wow. That's... You sure you don't have some uh, neurological supplements you'd like to sell me? <laughs> that, uh, Tell me who to vote for. Something like that. Yeah, Frog seemed, boys. <laughs> that seemed like a premature emergency off. Did it? Yeah. Well, it may have been, but we have a lot to get to. We got some great questions set up, and I don't think Jed can do that voice for that long. <laughs> I have some ability, <laughs> but it's starting to fade. <laughs> also, I I think there is a day coming where Jed just loses the the wall between himself and the character. That's right. <laughs> and um, starts talking to his neighbor. Yeah, I don't really want to be. You know? like, yeah. It's the thing your parents yeah. said to you when you were a kid. You stop making that face, or you're going to stick that way. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. It, <laughs> it's just like that. It's just the stop doing the, the joy. Or you'll become the bit. It's the joy on Glenn's face whenever Jed yes. starts doing a character. That's, that's yeah. Funny. The thing, yeah, the that's thing right. that's different about uh, numerology, Jed, from all other Jeds. Why is this Jed not unlike all of the Jeds? Is um. In order to get that voice and the thing, there has to be a physicality to yeah, it. Right. So Jed's in a very dramatic kind of one shoulder forward, <laughs> hand outstretched, really a, going for it. A little it. bit of a close talkery kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Anyone who's ever watched a, a YouTube video of a certain uh, info warrior knows you can't just make that voice. No. Yeah. You yeah. got to do it with your whole face. Absolutely. Yeah. But that aside, when we have a declared emergency off, we got a lot to get to. But first, we do want to. Not skip an opportunity to tell you guys about Bridgebox. Ooh. You can head on over to missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Uh, we are talking to Derek Minor later, a, a great uh, Christian hip-hop artist. We've got some Christian hip-hop for you as well. We actually had, uh, this may be a first on this month's Bridgebox, but a guy who's a bridge attendee yes. who laid down a track for us. Very talented MC, our friend Jimmy. So we've got hip-hop, we've got some pop stuff, we've got some folk stuff, we've got a uh, track by the ever-mysterious Pool House Guru, which you may hear a little bit more about later on. So lots of good stuff in Bridgebox and also sermons from Glenn and myself, Bible studies. Lots of great stuff this month. Our topic was how where do I start when starting over? So if you're you know someone who's headed off to college or new job, they've all got new stuff we're doing in our lives. So missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We are gonna jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, How does the Bible work in a Christian's life? I mean, I know it's important. But the way some people talk about it, it's like it's a magic spell book. You just recite the words from it and things change. And people talk about having a quote-unquote biblically correct understanding. But who decides what is correct? How should I see slash use the Bible in my walk? And Lee, why don't you start us off? I'd love to. This is a, The way the question is asked is really, really sharp, um, especially because one thing that you're alluding to is super true, which is that a lot of Christians— We'll talk about how they believe in the inspiration of Scripture. When you dig in a little bit on that, what you find out is people really do believe in the inspiration of their interpretation of Scripture. Mm. And there's a big, big difference there. Uh, As far as the Bible itself, what it says about itself is 
the Apostle Paul says that everything that was written beforehand was written for our encouragement that we might have hope. That's a really, really cool thing. Because I don't know about you, but um, I, my, my feeling is that, you can, that you're with me on this, but uh, the way the world is, the way my life is, the way my own heart and mind are, I need a lot of encouragement and hope. So the, the, the fact that the Bible says about itself, this was written for your encouragement and for your hope. Um, that's an awesome thing. The Bible says about itself <clears throat> that it was written to give us peace. It was written to give us uh, correction, which I know I need at times. It, need, it was written for training. It does all that stuff. And there are really... There are really, really smart people who are also kind people, who are also devoted to Jesus, who have done a lot of awesome stuff, who have kind of devoted their life to understanding what those words mean. And you, and as Matt has said before on the show, and as we've said at different times on the show, a lot of the best folks who have devoted their life to understanding what these words mean and have written stuff down about them um, are dead. And that's uh, the reason that a lot of the best uh, people who have thought about this stuff and written it down are dead is because back in the day, they used to write this stuff down without, you know, getting rich off of writing it down. They were just doing it to help people. And so that's a, that, that's a thing that you can look into. But, <clears throat> but one of the things that, that the Apostle Paul also says is that as you read the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand it. Now, as we try to figure out how do, how do we do that? To me, the most important things that we need to do is that we need to come uh, approach the Scripture with a lot of honesty and a lot of humility. Um, you were correctly pointing out in, your, in the way that you worded the question that a lot of folks treat Bible verses like, um, you know, magical spells or mantras. You know, they, 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 they litter their, their social media um, profiles with, with Bible verses. They have them written on their coffee mugs and on t-shirts and stuff like that as almost like a talisman. This is here to protect me. It's here to take care of me. It's here to make me feel better about my situation or whatever. And what we need to do when we're approaching scripture is have a lot of honesty with the Lord and say like, look, if I, you know, I'm, I'm reading the scriptures and I'm not getting anything out of it. We need to be honest about that. We need to be honest about, um, you know, I, I was getting a lot out of the scriptures for a while in this, in this way, and now I'm not anymore. And so we can talk to people about how we can change that up. Um, one thing that I would suggest is if you've, if you've read the Bible for a long time, but never really gotten anything out of it, try an audio Bible. Um, that's a, mm. it's yep. a, it's a real easy switch up that you could make that would, um, that would totally change your experience. By the way, it still counts. Being read to is an awesome thing. Uh, being read to is good for your uh, physical state, emotional state. It's good for your mind. It's good. It, it's good for you. In fact, the, in the book of Revelation, it actually says that there is a blessing for those who, um, who read the book and who have it read to them. And so, you know, switch up to an audiobook, switch things up, but go in with a lot of humility, go in with a lot of honesty, find some people that you, that, that you love and respect, that you can talk to things that you're reading, that you can talk to about that kind of stuff. But if we go in there looking for encouragement, looking for hope, look, asking God to, to, to help us and to, and to help us understand what he's saying to us, and we go in with a lot of honesty and humility and be willing to change things up and be willing to invite some people into that process, I think that the Bible is going to take a different shape and, and hopefully take a, you know, a, a more important role in your walk. That's a really fantastic place to start this off, Jed, and I'd like to go to you next. Um, uh, 
Lee, I think, gives a great intro of the impact the Bible can have in our lives. Sure. If we use it properly and some ways to get around that. And let's look at uh, this a uh, little bit more at this aspect of the question of how do you use this thing? Because mm. there, as Lee is pointing out, there seem to be a lot of people who have some uh, theories about that that they feel very passionately about that don't seem to work when applied in real life. So how, how do we actually use this book? That's a great question. Let's look at a different kind of book for a second that we're, we're all pretty clear on how it works. And that is a cookbook. Mm. All right. Now, a cookbook is a guide for people who are cooking. That's, right. that's what it is. It's a guide to you in the cooking process. It will tell you, for example, that a cake with no sugar in it is probably not much of a cake. Right. Um, it will equip you to do the work of cooking. If you read a bunch of cookbooks, but you never cook anything, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. What we could say for sure is um, you are only really getting what is intended out of a cookbook when you are then going and cooking having read it. That's, right. you know, that's the fullness of the cookbook, right? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is that actually the Bible says about itself that it's very similar to that. This is 2 Timothy it's chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is Paul writing. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's right. A cookbook is there so that you are equipped for every good cookie. That's why we have cookbooks. Um, the Word of God is there so that you are equipped for the work God has for you to do. Uh, there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible as literature. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible recreationally. But if you want to get what God intends you to get out of the Bible, it's supposed to equip you to do things. It's supposed to equip you to go out and do kingdom work. That involves sharing the gospel. That involves discipling people. That involves caring for the sick and the weak and the poor and the lost. Um, and if you really want to see the Bible come alive to you in a new way, that's actually when that's going to happen. That's right. Um, the, the Bible does not come alive when you reach a critical level of academic minutiae. Uh, that that actually doesn't work. The the Bible comes alive when you go out and you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You you go and you you do the thing. You help people and you encourage people and you build people up. You meet their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs. In my experience, that's when the Bible really become, begins to come to life for you because that's what it's for. That's what it's meant for. That's why it's it's been given to us. And so uh, we want to encourage you that as you as you learn more Bible, that you also turn around and use that to do the good work that it's intended to equip you to do. That's a really uh, fantastic follow-up there. Glenn, I'd love to get to you here. I think Jed brings a very important point. We want to understand how to use something. One of the ways we can understand that is at what point in the process are we supposed to use it? As he's pointing out here, a lot of people uh, seem to have the idea that you, uh, if you want to cook, you get a cookbook, yeah. and then you read the cookbook, and then you go to school for four years and give tens of thousands of dollars so someone can uh, tell you what's in the cookbook you read. Right. And then... If you want to cook, you can go do that. But we've already got your money, so that's right. the main thing. You read ancillary books about, like, when you know when they say this in the cookbook, that's what they mean. Yeah. This guy means that. So this idea of i got to fill up my Bible meter before I go do anything, I wonder if that may not be where we get tripped up. For sure. Uh, years ago, there was a, uh, a, a man who was doing amazing work in Northern Ireland. He was working with both sides of that conflict there. Uh, is actually doing youth ministry and using that work to bring both sides together, do like a, a like a plays and events and stuff that the kids would do, so parents would come from both sides and meet one another, and it's really amazing work. And uh, as he described it, 
uh, as there was more unity happening there, some of those organizations that were part of that violence sort of became similar to uh, gangster-type organizations in certain ways. And so he was in Chicago, and he asked around, and he wanted to know, uh, you know, who's working with gang members, and, and how can I, you know, talk to that person. And so uh, somehow he got my name, and we ended up going out to lunch. Fascinating dude. Your name being Fitzgerald, I think we solved a little bit of that uh, yeah, mystery. Yeah, that's right. And so we were talking about all that, and I, I said, well, of all the people you want to ask advice from, why on earth me? Uh, you know, I'm sure you can end up talking to any number of people with expertise and whatever. And he's, he used a very uh, unique phrase that I, I've used a lot since, and I love the sound of He said, well, you've got the boots on the ground. Yeah. And it was really interesting to, to think of it that way, mm-hmm. that I think we, we tend to think that uh, Christianity is at its most intense and good and strong and effective and amazing and whatever else when it's it's most academic. Nice. And he was his his way of sorting out Christianity and figuring out how to do the Christian thing he was looking to do is where are the people who have their boots on the ground? Right. Yeah. And uh, when you start thinking of it in those terms, the people who who are in, directly involved in ministry, and when I say directly involved, I mean people who are directly supporting those who are doing ministry, the people who are, you know, setting up chairs before meetings, the people who are running the sound system, all of those kinds of things. Uh, when you think of it in those terms, it starts to, to change the way we look at the Bible itself. I think there's a tendency to think of, uh, you know, the Bible uh, and using it to say uh, th- this is the last word on the subject. This closes all discussion. Uh, when I think uh, when when you have boots on the ground, the the Bible is the first word. The the Bible is where we begin. The the Bible is the foundation. The Bible is the everything must be rooted in that. That's everything starts from what God says about this situation. And from there we grow, each of us, in a different kind of relationship and right. a different interaction with the Lord. And so um, it's, it, it's, it's not the last word on the subject, it's the first word on the subject. It's, it's, you can't get from, you know, from zero to one in your walk without the word and without understanding what's going on there. Uh, therefore, I don't, I, I, therefore, people who use it as a tool to prove how correct they are, then that, that shows to me a lack of understanding of what Christianity is like when it has its boots on the ground. Um, the Bible says, in, uh, Jesus says in uh, the book of John, chapter 5, verse 39, uh, you study the scriptures diligently. He's talking to the religious leaders. Oh, there. that sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's a compliment. He's, Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently. Because you think that in them you will have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Hmm. He's saying you are really focused on that book and the one it's talking about is standing right in front of you (laughs) and you don't get it. And that's not because you weren't diligently studying it. You diligently studied it in such a way 
to negate the actual living presence of God in your life. You did that on purpose to box God out of the conversation because you have the rule book and we don't need God to come in here and give us a, a, a clarification or uh, how to apply this or what he specifically wants me to do. So Jesus himself is talking about ignoring the author of that book and just focusing on the book. Uh, that's a consistent thing that comes up and I think we have to wrestle with that uh, when we when we talk about what should the importance of the scriptures be in our lives, absolutely right. I will, I will close out with another Bible verse. And this this is from the book of Hebrews, chapter four, verse twelve. It says, "For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart." All that to say, if you think you study the Bible to figure it out. And then have it figured out and put that away and say, well, I know what the Bible says about this. I am biblically correct. Yes. I've started a council for how biblically correct I am <laughs> yes. about this one issue. You may have missed the boat there, friend. Yeah. Um, that The thing that makes the Bible different really than any other uh, book we would deal with is exactly what these guys are pointing out is it weaves itself in your life. And, and as you've been doing this for a little while, which everyone you're listening to the show has, there are things... It's not a hundred, not entirely that I thought this used to mean X and now I know it means Y, but I used to think this means X. And now I realize that was the tip of a much larger iceberg right. that I am going into. That's good. So to get to the point where I, well, I know what the Bible says about blankety blank and therefore as Glenn is saying there, check moving on. Not only are you going to end up coming off like a complete schmuck. Uh, if you ever talk to anyone who doesn't already think you're a Bible person, um, you're going to miss out on a lot. This idea, uh, as Glenn is pointing out, this idea of a biblical authority and someone who knows the Bible and is the, uh, you know, is the person we go to on that, really, not only is that not in the Bible, that's kind of antithetical to the way even Jesus talks about Scripture. He doesn't, mm -hmm. he, it's, it's like this, and here's a story, and here's an example. He doesn't just say, well, it says this, therefore, decreed. Right. Boom, right. deal with it. So if you're looking for, if you're saying, I'm, if part of what's going on in this question is saying, I don't think I get as much out of the Bible as I would like to, um, I think what we'd encourage you to is to, to get in motion on something. And that could be, you know, we would point to obviously toward service and least of these, or, but do prayer stuff. And then see what the Bible has to say about that in the midst of it. As, as Glenn is saying, don't maybe don't read a Bible verse and then go do it and be all Bible about it. Go do something. Then find a passage, and it's easy with, you know, if you use um, Bible Hub or Bible Gateway to you know, find some passage directory. See what the Bible says about the thing you just did. And then see how that affects the way you go to the next thing. So, and, and that all gets us back to where it at least starts off with try stuff. You know, roll it around in your mind, try some stuff. If you have uh, specific questions about that, feel free to hit us up. All right, we are now going to go to our interview with... strong and you're fierce and you're 
let's go back to the start of that song. Here we go, sing this with me now. God, I'm here and I'm laying down. All the things I'm afraid of here and now. Because I'm tired and I need you to take this off of me. going to go to our final question here it comes in anonymously and it says christians on my social media are driving me crazy <laughs> posting things 24 7 about how god is changing their lives and how we need to convict non-believers i feel like they're vying for the attention of other christians am i overreacting what do i do and glenn i'd like you to to really put on your imagination cap yeah and imagine a world in which things christians do on social media drives you crazy yeah and then attempt to, to apply that to this answer <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it, here's the thing. You're, you're absolutely right on point when you say Christians are really only interested in, in getting attention from other Christians, having the fame and recognition amongst other Christians. Uh, there is almost no uh, real existence of what we would call outreach in the church. It's very rare. If you have done it, if you're part of a church that does that, uh, congratulations, you're part of an extremely, extremely unusual, uh, very singular type of thing. Uh, my thing is outreach. This is this is sort of what my area of expertise is in, and it's what I talk to churches and denominations about all the time, and uh, they are not doing it. So uh, that says that Christians are interested in being Christian with other Christians doing Christian stuff. They're not, they're, they're that. So you're on point. I, sure, it's like a clubhouse with a sign outside it. Yeah, I, exactly. And I, I think I'm reading into the, the tone of this question that you kind of feel bad for thinking that that's what the thought is here. And you shouldn't, because that is the thought. So you're, you're on point with that. Um, I have what I call the Mount Everest theory, which is this. Uh, I, I was reading about uh, uh, Mount Everest a while back. There's a, 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 a book out about it. And it turns out you have to apply to get a license to climb Mount Everest. You're not allowed to just do it if you want to. And I asked myself uh, if, if the terms of the application to get a license to climb Mount Everest were you cannot tell anyone that you climbed Mount Everest, <laughs> would anyone do it? Because mm -hmm. 
that's the point to climb Mount Everest mm-hmm. is to tell everybody that you climbed it. I mean, it's, you don't do that and keep it a secret. And I'm not implying that you should keep that a secret. I, I'm not implying that you should uh, 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 not put on Instagram an amazing thing that you did on your, your uh, missions trip, something like that. I think it's great that you do that. I think it's great that people would know that that's what you're about and, and, and see that. But per your question, I think there is a difference between someone who's saying, I did an amazing thing, check me out, I'm more Christian than you, and someone who's saying, I had this experience and it was transformative to me. Uh, I learned something. I, I was changed by this. I experienced something I didn't experience before. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about being a different person based on this, uh, so on. Uh, occasionally, uh, well, uh, we, every week we have uh, teams that will come in and, and volunteer with us to, to do serve meals and so forth. And uh, some of those people are local. Some of those are out of town. Uh, you know, so it's, it's sort of a mixed bag. But we'll occasionally see pictures of the bridge on the social medias there of people who've been to the bridge. And what's funny is there often aren't pictures of us who are doing it in those pictures or uh, any mention of anyone but themselves doing it. You know, and so we, it's sort of an inside joke of they, they sort of came and did it all themselves if you, if you read the, the, the Instagram feed. So I think that's a really subtle difference in tone, but I think it is a real thing that you're, you're seeing there, and I think you're on point. One of the quick thing, and I know these other brothers are going to touch on it, uh, but uh, one of the things you're saying here is God uh, it needs to talk about, uh, or we're, we're talking on social media about God changing people's lives and the need to convict non-believers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Again. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts people. That's his job. Uh, everyone has a conscience, and the Holy Spirit tells everyone when they're doing something that he wants them to change. That's what the that's that's the Holy Spirit's thing. Uh, our job is to help them figure out how to do that, and how to uh, approach that, and how to make that workable, and you know what practical steps to take. All of those things uh, that and that involves real work. That's other than just pointing at a sin and saying, "Ooh, ooh, look, ooh, ooh." sin you know that's of no use we already knew it was there the holy spirit's already convicted that person of that and ultimately i i i want to stop sinning because it's ruining my life but i don't know how Mm -hmm. and i'm just on this so uh really what you're talking about uh, per our last question is uh, uh, uh is this mentality of uh, I, I'm I'm thinking in terms of Christian cultural stuff and fitting within that, as opposed to this boots on the ground. What Christianity is, what Christianity is like when it encounters real life? Yeah, I think that's a really fantastic place to start us off. And Lee, I'd love to go to you next. Um, there is a a very easy solution to the immediate problem. Now, there's a deeper problem under that, but the uh, easy solution to the immediate problem our friend is having is a wonderful little thing called the mute button. Yeah, the the and maybe uh, we should be more judicious with that. Yeah, the 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 interesting thing about um about social media platforms is that for the most part they are user controlled content, um which is which is really cool. You can unfollow somebody, you can block somebody, you can mute someone. As Matt's saying, every little social media platform has its own way for you to refine your feed 
so that it's something that you actually want to see. Now, for young people in particular, and, and this, is, this is a weird concept for guys, for folks my age, but for, for young people in particular, they have a lot of hang-ups about unfollowing people or blocking people. And one of the reasons that they do is because they're kind of aware that the people in their life have little uh, notification apps that will tell them so-and-so blocked you or so-and-so unfollowed you or so-and-so muted you. Um, and so there's, there's this whole kind of cultural it's, – it's a cultural faux pas for you to ever unfollow anybody. And what I'd love to tell you is that that – you know, that little app that that person has, that's just an insecurity thing. And you have every right to just block somebody and get them off of your feet. Just fire them from your feet. It's fun. Um, and, and once you do that, you kind of refine what you're, what you're taking in so that you have encouraging and cool people that are kind of speaking into your day. If you can dig it, your social media that you interact with, that is... That is an avenue by which other people have now have the right to to speak into your day. They they kind of uh, they they add their tone to the ambiance of whatever day you're experiencing, and so you can just, as Matt said, it's just an it's just an easy thing to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this person out of the deal. I have myself a one strike you're out policy with certain political type things. Yeah. If a if somebody runs their mouth, it, it doesn't even have to be Christian people. If somebody runs their mouth about, I've got certain criterion, and if they if they if they break the tape on that in any way, you're out. That's over. I don't have to do this. I don't have to listen to your mouth. And it's okay yeah. to be that way. One really really interesting thing is I've had people who I'm totally cool with in real life. I could sit down and have a cheeseburger with this person. We'd have a fine time. But their social media presence makes me want to pull their hair out of their skull. Yes. And so I, that. I will block them on the thing, and that may hurt their feelings. But I, I love to hang out with them. We can, we can watch a basketball game together or whatever the, the deal is. And so you have the right to do that stuff. And and I know that for, for older listeners, they're like, why do you keep saying that? But for young people, this really is a weird thing. It really is a difficult thing. You can push that button. You can shut that down. And you have the right to kind of manage the tone and the the, the feeling of, of whatever feeds you're paying attention to. Because you have the right to be encouraged. You have the right to hang out with cool people. And in this way, the social media platform is kind of a way that you're hanging out with people. So l let's refine that feed and make sure that you're getting some encouragement and you're not getting the stuff that makes you have to roll your eyes all day long. And we all know that feel. Absolutely. That's really fantastic stuff. And Jed, I'd love to get you to close out here. And I, I need to ask a question to which I think I'm not going to like the answer because the, the important question is, so how do we help kind of be part of the, the improvement and the solution on this? And now the answer I want hmm. is for me to go to these people and grab them by the collar yeah, and just yell at them yes, until they're not stupid anymore. I think yes. that's probably the best solution. Yes. And just, yeah, just kind of, as I've mentioned probably before on the show, one of my favorite TV shows is the British version of the Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares because these people restaurant sucks. And then a crazy Scottish guy shows up and curses at them. Right. And then at the end, they fix the restaurant. Yes. Yeah. And to me, that's really the perfect ministry. Yeah. You're dumb. I yell at you until you're better. Right. But 
Jed, I just have a feeling that's not what Jesus wants us to do here. Maybe. So if we're, if we're going to explore other options, let's yeah. keep everything on the table. Yeah. How do we be part of maybe turning it around on this? That's a great question. Well, it'll feel weird for a minute, but let's start with um, Glenn's very, very true definition of how do you develop a compulsive behavior? Um, here's, according to Glenn, and he's right, here's how you develop a compulsive behavior. Find something that feels a little bit good, but isn't satisfying at all. If you've got something with those two criteria, you're already on your way to doing it compulsively. Feels really yep. good. It or actually doesn't need to feel really good. Feels a little bit good yep. is really not satisfying. Yep. You'll keep doing that and doing that and doing that forever. Here's why I bring it up. Um, very, very, very few interactions on social media are satisfying. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like you for a second, and no one wants to do this, but I want you to put yourself in the mindset of the people who are making these posts. These are the people that are that are doing careful Instagram photography of their morning devotionals, you know, and they're they're putting up their super. The Lord's just showing me a lot of things, y'all, and you know they're they're putting up their posts and whatnot. What do they want? Well, they want attention, yes, and there's actually nothing inherently wrong with wanting attention. They want somebody to believe in them. They want somebody to encourage them. They want somebody to affirm them and say, you're a good Christian. You're, you're doing a good job. Now, maybe they're not a terribly good Christian. Maybe they're not doing a terribly good job, but they want that. They want affirmation. They want encouragement. They want to be built up. They want to be accepted. They want to be loved. None of those things are wrong. And here's where we start to get into trouble is they're putting stuff on social media because they feel like I can get that here. I can get that encouragement and that affirmation and that buildup, except it doesn't work. Yeah. Somebody clicks like on a photo they don't feel built up. They, they just don't. It just doesn't work that way. Um, it has just a little bit of a pleasurable sensation to it, but it isn't satisfying. And now we're off to the races on compulsive behavior. We got to keep doing this and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Here's how we fight back. Find someone in your real life and sit down with them in person and say something kind. That's right. Let me repeat yeah. that. Find someone in your real life Sit down with them in person and say something kind. You would not believe how few people will do that. You don't need any qualifications for it. It doesn't need to be deep. It doesn't need to be massively insightful. It, it can, I mean, we've joked before on this show about, I like your shirt. That's great. If, right. that's, if that's all you've got, that's, that's a place to start. But um, if you saw, you know, Timmy help setting up chairs, you know, at the, for the Sunday school class, Go out to lunch with Timmy and say, dude, it's really cool the way that you help out with stuff. You know, a lot of people don't work hard to help, but you do. And I see that and I think it's really cool. You have just rocked Timmy's world because no one is doing that. Absolutely no one is doing that. And it's what Timmy needs. This is the thing. We all need encouragement. Yes, we amen. all need to be built up. And what social media has created is a world of people who are starving to death. And they're cramming things down their throat as quickly as they can, and it's not working. These are people dying of thirst and drinking as much salt water as they can, and it's only making it worse. People need actual interactions with another human being that's looking them in the eye and expressing love and care and compassion. You can do that. You can't do that for every person in the world, and you probably can't do that for everyone on your social media feed. But you can ask the Lord to put a burden on your heart for a couple of key people and seek them out and encourage them and be kind to them. If you do that, you are doing your part to solve this problem. 
that is a really fantastic place to leave that. We're going to take you out this week with a track from the Pool House Guru. Yeah. Months edition of Bridgebox. It's based on Philippians 3.13. It's a song he calls Press On. Mm. We assume he calls it that. We, we It's basically Cyrillic. Right, yes. Right. Things written into tablets that we get. But we, you know, the best translation we could get was Press On. Yeah, like cuneiform and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. All, it's we you know we spend a lot of money on archaeologists to do some translating. Yeah, but yeah. it's worth it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we want to give a big thanks to Derek Miner for joining us. We're going to take out that song by the Pull House Guru. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast. We'd like to apologize to barbers and mathematicians everywhere. <laughs> I press on, forgetting what's behind. I press on. song